Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. We're back. So, my name is Kevin, and uh, I don't share much with uh, the former Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, except for our first names. Uh, but uh, we're going to spend the next 30 minutes. I'm from New Jersey. He's from California to start. But uh, we're going to talk about Kevin McCarthy right now, and we're going to do it for the next half hour. We're going to take your calls while we do so. The number to call is 244-1777. You can email me at vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. So the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, has been uh, removed from his post. This is the first time that a Speaker of the House has been removed by his own, his or her own party. That means the motion, it's happened twice before in history. I haven't done the research yet. Uh, but this is the first time that the party of the Speaker stood up and make the, made the motion to, quote, vacate the Speaker's chair. And it happened yesterday, and it is history-making. So right now, the Congress of the United States, the House of Representatives, does not have a Speaker of the House. I have spoken to both uh, former Speakers of the House in uh, Vermont who were unable to come on the show. They had other commitments. I've spoken to political strategists on the Democratic side and on the Republican side. I have read all of the online media coverage. I've read the New York Times. I've read the Atlantic. And so I have some conclusions. But again, I will take your calls at 244-1777 to discuss this. So let's summarize. You have a Congress of the United States that is now in full-on paralysis. They cannot pass laws. They cannot function at all. They cannot pass a budget. They have a looming, uh, uh, let's see, they just passed a continuing resolution to keep the government functioning, I believe, for three months, which, of course, was McCarthy's downfall. We'll get to that. So uh, the Congress of the United States need to, needs to be working together right now to, in the next three months, pass another budget that will keep the government open. Now, that's a low bar. Let's, let's consider where we were in, oh, call it 1980 when Ronald Reagan was president. Uh, back then, the Congress of the United States passed, I think it's 13, it's either 12 or 13 individual budgets to fund the federal government by agency. So you would pass the defense uh, budget bill and you'd pass the health and human services bill. You'd pass the transportation bill. All of those bills, 12 or 13 of them are called appropriations bills that fund the agencies that fund government. Uh, that went out the door as in the 90s and 2000s as our gov- federal government became more partisan, weaponized and, made, and powered by the Internet, email, direct mail, etc., uh, which drove us into our tribal camps, uh, into the MSNBC camp or the Fox News camp. 
the founding of Fox News by Roger Ailes and Rupert Murdoch is going to go down in history as one of the great, most impactful developments in the U.S. media and political history. Uh, we'll do a whole show on that. And so here we are. Uh, I, my view is that this, 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 uh, dethroning of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House by Republicans is, is sort of a natural result of all of the, uh, speeding up of our politics and the, and the making us all hate each other on Facebook and, uh, social media and the internet. So here we are. Uh, here's what happened. So remember that Speaker McCarthy, after the January 6th insurrection at the Congress, uh, uh, immediately took to the floor and de- condemned the insurrection and criticized, uh, then president. Well, let's see. It's January 6th. Yes, he was still president in c- condemned then president Donald Trump for, uh, and enabling the insurrection. Uh, and then he said privately to other members of Congress that he was going to call for Trump to resign. He was even parts of discussions with cabinet members to invoke the 25th Amendment to relieve Trump uh, from office by vote of the cabinet. Uh, that quickly changed days later when McCarthy realized that Trump was not going to be removed from office and he went down to Mar-a-Lago and met with Trump and took pictures uh, of, of both of them smiling, where Trump infam- infamously called him my Kevin. And uh, McCarthy returned to Washington having com- done a complete about face. Now, I can't imagine anything making uh, people angrier than such a blatant about face. So the Democrats were angry because he didn't follow through on his promise to condemn Trump for the insurrection. Uh, so he returns to Washington and uh, becomes Speaker of the House after a his history-making uh, multi-ballot vote, which in which he had to cobble together the votes of the Republicans to win. How did he do that? He made some promises. He promised them that he would go back to doing uh, appropriations bills. He promised them that he would make budget cutting a priority. And he also gave them the the key tool with that they used to oust him, which is he agreed that any member, any member of the House could stand up and and raise a motion to, quote, vacate the speaker's chair. And why he gave – well, he gave into that because he signed his death warrant there. And he gave into that because uh, he had to he had to get the votes of a – what our friend Bob Ney, who comes – uh, the former Ohio congressman, the Republican congressman who comes on this show every Friday, tells us is a hard right-wing reactionary group of about 20 Republicans in the House. In order to get their votes for speaker – McCarthy had to give them the ability to oust him. And that's exactly what's happened. Uh, the, the icing on the cake was the two times in the last few months that McCarthy, uh, placed his desire to keep the government running over the desires of that hard right 20 group, uh, 
to basically shut down the government. That, that as Bob Ney is the way, this isn't me talking, this is Bob Ney. That, that hard group of 20 Republicans, those guys and gals, they will do anything to cut taxes, cut government, and stop it from running. Uh, as Bob says, they don't really believe in governing the country. They want to achieve their ends no matter what it takes. So when McCarthy went against their interests and sided with Democrats to keep the federal government just functioning, and we're talking social security checks, Medicare coverage, all this, all the, you know, highway, national parks, the immigration and naturalization service, all the things that the federal government does uh, in our day-to-day lives, that was all going to come to a halt. I asked Bob about my daughter-in-law who works at the Library of Congress that he used to oversee. Uh, she was going to be furloughed without pay. So uh, McCarthy uh, went against the 20 Republicans, and then he called their bluff. On Monday of this week, he said, uh, if they want to oust me, bring it on. Well, they brought it on in the person of Congressman Matt Gates of Florida, uh, smart guy, loves the spotlight and is articulate on TV. And that is sort of, that's who succeeds in modern day politics. Uh, Gates made the motion to vacate. And then here's what happened. Those 20 hard right Republicans. Well, I think they're the, the people, the Republicans who voted to oust Kevin McCarthy are about 10 and I don't have them in front of me. Uh, one of them is Republican Nancy Mace of Florida, who, ironically, Speaker uh, McCarthy helped out by raising millions of dollars for her campaign. Uh, others uh, joined in. There's about 10 of them. And they joined with all the Democrats. Now, I'm, it's fascinating to, to, to sort of discuss how did, why did Democrats vote to oust McCarthy. So really what we've got here is a coalition of Democrats and 10 Republicans who voted to oust McCarthy. Why did Democrats go along? You can make the argument that Democrats should have voted to keep McCarthy. Why? Because he's the devil they know. Now the, the seat is empty and Republicans are scrambling because they're in the majority, remember. Uh, they're, they're scrambling to figure out who is going to be the next Speaker of the House. And why wouldn't Democrats uh, vote to keep Kevin McCarthy in the Speaker's chair? So now you're hearing, you're hearing all sorts of crazy and, and we are in, we're in crazy time for sure. You're hearing all sorts of crazy theories right now. Let me make a couple of lists. The moderate, so-called moderate path is that Republicans would come come together behind Steve Scalise, who's one of McCarthy's deputies. Scalise apparently is working the phones to try to uh, win enough uh, support to be speaker. Option number two, Liz Cheney. The former minority, uh, it, it, she was a minority leader, I believe, uh, of the House and the bane of Donald Trump's existence. Uh, a hard right conservative, but she was the vice chair of the January 6th uh, Congressional Committee that investigated that riot. 
She was ousted from the party by the hard right back in her home state of Idaho. She is out of office. But remember, you do not have to be an elected official to be Speaker of the House. Here's Before we take the break, here's the third option, Donald Trump. So I have read uh, in the media today that uh, a phone call, phone calls are being made to Donald Trump to see if he would like to be Speaker of the House. Now, I saw Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, one of the hard right Republicans, a fan of Kevin McCarthy. He was interviewed on national TV about this, and he said, I want Trump to be president, but if he wants to be Speaker, I'd love that too. So all I can say is uh, this is going to get crazier, uh, not not less crazy. It's going to get crazier. We're back. It's it's Kevin Ellis, your host this Wednesday. It's Vermont Viewpoint and it's WDEV. And we're trying to get deep beneath the cable TV shouting and the headlines about the deposing of U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He's from Irvine, California, I believe. Uh, and so I just we just did a, a a long discussion of how this happened and why it happened. Let's uh, let's go to. There's, as I said, I, I've been talking to a lot of uh, strategy people, political junkies on both sides of the aisle. Let me read you sitting Vermont Congresswoman Becca Balance statement. I tried to get her on the show, but she just was unable to join us. Uh, here's what she says about McCarthy. And this gets to the issue of why Democrats voted to, all together to oust McCarthy, even though they don't know what's going to happen next. Here's what Ballot says. I ran for Congress because our democracy is in crisis. Since the first week of this session, the House has been led by a speaker whose failure to govern with integrity is actively eroding our democracy. Kevin McCarthy enables dangerous extremism that has real consequences for Vermonters and working families across the country. He sold his speakership to the highest bidder, mega extremists shepherding through their agenda to ban abortion, attack marginalized people, prop up billionaires, and pollute our communities. He has shown time and time again that he is not a partner we can trust, breaking every promise he has made over the last nine months. This Congress has urgent work to do. I will continue to fight extremism while working hard on behalf of Vermonters. So that is Congresswoman Becca Ballant. And that gives you, who used to be the Democratic leader of the Vermont Senate, someone we all know pretty well. She's from Brattleboro. So that gives you some insight into why Democrats voted en masse to oust McCarthy, even though there is seemingly absolutely no plan for what to do next. You know, there's, there's, there's a rule in, uh, in, in court, in legal cases and in, and in politics, if you can, is, you know, don't ever go to court unless you know the answer. Uh, don't ask a question as an interview unless you know the interviewer, unless you know the answer. Don't go into court as a lawyer and put somebody on the stand unless you know what they're going to say. Well, both those 10 Republicans who voted to oust McCarthy and the Democrats who voted to oust him as well, they don't know what's going to come next. And as I said before the break, this could be, uh, this could get far worse before it gets better. Now, 
I wish I had kept Tom Evslin on the phone uh, for a little longer because he served uh, – he's, a, I think, safe to say, call him a Republican. I would put him in the non-Trump, non-MAGA, sort of Jim Douglas, Phil Scott portion of the Republican Party. Uh, he served as the chief technology officer under Jim Douglas and I – and also as uh, – he had a special assignment – uh, for Douglas in which he tried to, uh, oh gosh, they were called tiger teams. And he was in charge of sort of reinventing state government to make it more efficient, uh, and save money. And, uh, I think he, he, you know, he's a highly respected mind on this. And I think if, uh, Tom was still on the show, I think he'd say, yeah, it's, it's really bad down there in Washington. Uh, and I think he'd be surprised that, uh, People voted to oust McCarthy without a plan for going forward. I said before the break, there are people calling up Trump at Mar-a-Lago right now saying, you could be speaker. Um, that sounds crazy, but as I said, you do not have to be an elected official to be speaker. Any, any American citizen can be speaker of the House in Vermont or in Washington uh, without being elected to office. There are calls going to Lynn, Liz Cheney, the former representative from Idaho. Uh, Steve Scalise, who is, uh, I don't know where, what state he's from. Um, memorably, he was the guy who at the, uh, congressional softball game was shot by a, by a, uh, shooter on the, on the mall, uh, when, when they were doing, having a, uh, softball practice. Uh, Scalise wants to be speaker pretty clearly. So, but but I'll tell you the the the, the ten MAGA hard right Republicans are controlling the United States House of Representatives right now, and I bet they're trying to figure out uh, what they're going to do next. Let me read you. I won't name her because uh, she's got a job, uh, but I'll read you the, the a text I got from a from a, a Democratic strategist in both Washington and Vermont, who I respect, who I asked her for her opinion. She said, this was inevitable and McCarthy knew it. He thought he could cloak himself in doing, quote, good for the country with his partisan deal on the budget. But no, he and his ilk have been feeding into and cozying up to extremists like Gates and Trump for too long to not have that extremist stink on them, too. And never prepared for the obvious consequence that the minute they tack to the center, they get ripped apart by the far right. Because the right is legit disassociated from reality. McCarthy is the loserest of losers and maybe the most uh, worst speaker in history, still didn't actually protect the government from shutdown in the end. So that's that gives you the insight into, I would call that the progressive wing of the Democratic Party and where it's at. Notice you're not hearing any, uh, comments from Senator Bernie Sanders and Senator Peter Welch. Uh, they, they, they observe the, they still observe the sort of niceties of Washington or Montpelier, which is <clears throat> if you're a senator, you, you don't bang on the on the members of the House, and the House members don't bang on the Senate for the most part. Uh, they leave each other to their own functions or dysfunctions. But uh, I suspect that uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, Bernie, uh, 
Bernie Sanders and Peter Welch are probably no fans of, uh, of Kevin McCarthy. Uh, where this is going to go, uh, we just have no idea, but, uh, keep your eye tuned to Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, and, and your, your TV stations because this is, as I said, this is going to get, this is going to get, uh, well, we're in really, we like to say on this show, we're in uncharted waters. Well, this is really uncharted waters. You have, uh, not only do you have Speaker of the House dethroned and this, and there being no sort of, uh, person running the House of Representatives, uh, you have a former president who is in a New York City courtroom right now, uh, defending himself against the Attorney General of the State of New York, suing him to basically shut down his business, accusing him of fraud. Uh, there has been a, a sort of a, a judgment in that case by the judge that the Attorney General is right, that Donald Trump uh, uh, exaggerated his wealth for years, inflated the value of his business. Okay, this has nothing to do with the criminal cases against Trump, the two in Washington, D.C., the one in New York City, and the one in Georgia over the voting, uh, over the uh, claims of uh, voter fraud. This is a civil case brought by the uh, the Attorney General of New York State, and it's already been determined by the judge that she's right and Trump is wrong. Trump has... Uh, taken to the streets and uh, declared his innocence in all of these cases and attacked the judges in all the cases. Now, in one of those cases, the judge, I can't remember whether it's the criminal case, I, I believe it is, uh, has put a gag order on Trump and Trump. No, it's, it's in the, sorry, it's in the civil case. The judge in that case has ordered Trump not to attack the judge, not to attack the prosecutors, and not to attack the staff of the judge who are in the court. I think Trump made some comment about one of the staffers for the judge in the case being the sister or the lover of somebody, uh, you know, of uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Uh, as I said, if you think it can't get crazier, it does. Uh, you've got a former president in the dock in in four criminal cases and now at least one civil case there's another one uh there's the uh defamation case following up on the on the sexual assault case in which Trump was found to have sexually assaulted uh, a woman uh, a writer in a in a dressing room in Bloomingdale's way back in the day in New York City so there is no republican speaker of the house uh and the uh standard bearer the 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 uh, the one who's dramatically leaning leading the polls for the Republican nomination uh, for president to run against I guess incumbent President Joe Biden, all eighty plus years old. Uh, that's that's what's coming down the pike at us. We're going to stay with this story because uh, it's it's something we've got to pay attention to. It can get tiring. Uh, to watch the dysfunction down there. Uh, but, uh, in order to be, uh, informed and in order to be parts, part of this democracy, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to stay with it. So, that's our, that's our seminar. We've done a seminar on AI. 
We've done a seminar on the Speaker of the House and uh, dysfunction in the Congress down there. Uh, do we want to take this call from Marsha before the break? I think we can do it. Marsha from Barry, I'd love to get your call. We're a little short on time, but go ahead. All right. I don't have much, much, much to say. You've, you've said it all, but here's something to throw into the food part, part, processor that might gum it up. The Speaker of the House is the third in line in succession to the presidency. Oh, that's a great point, Marsha. Yeah, and this is what I this is why I think all the all the toadies are asking Trump. Okay. What uh, a way to get him in, huh? Okay. Marsha, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna talk to my friend Sarah D. Felice uh at after the break at ten thirty. But you know what? We'll come back to this at ten forty five and I hope you'll call back so we can okay. talk about this because it's a so give me a call back at ten forty five. We'll We'll, uh, we'll re-up that because it's something I totally forgot. We gotta go. I'll, I'll talk to you at 1045. It's Kevin Ellis. It's Vermont Viewpoint. We'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to WDEV. We're back. And guess who we're joined by? We're gonna do our monthly check-in on flood relief with Sarah D. Felice, the owner of the Clothing and home goods store, Bailey Road in downtown Montpelier. Sarah, welcome back. Hi, Kevin. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling pretty bad because up pops, <laughs> I was away this weekend doing other things and I missed the party. So tell us what happened. We saw it on Instagram. Uh, you have reopened your store on Main Street in Montpelier. Uh, you were ravaged by the flood. It's, and we made a commitment with each other to sort of check in and have you back every time there was a new milestone. You are open. Tell us, uh, what's going on at Bailey Road. Yeah, we are newly open. Um, we've been open. This will be our fifth day. Um, and honestly, going into my opening night, I was feeling a little, uh, almost like overwhelmed. You're just so exhausted to finally get the doors open. And now there's so many people you just want to greet and hug and talk with. Um, so like five hours of meeting greeting was starting to feel overwhelming. Oh, brutal. Um, yeah. But I ended the night and it was just the boost I kind of needed to remind myself how much I love doing what I do. So it felt really good at the end of the night. So tell us, you had a party. Was this Saturday night? We had a soft opening on Thursday from three to eight on the twenty eighth, um, and it was just it was just so wonderful to welcome people back in. Yeah. And then we had a great opening weekend. Um, it was a beautiful weekend this past weekend, and so having our doors open in the fall air, it was it was really wonderful. And so. Uh, the picture on Instagram was just fantastic. Uh, and I was, I had a, a lot of FOMA. I was, I missed out, but, uh, congratulations. What, what, now I know that you had opened a, a retail space in Northfield while you were fixing your main shop. What, what's going to happen to that space? Well, it was just a warehouse. Um, so I wasn't renting it. Greenlight Real Estate was nice enough to kind of lend me that space to store all of my inventory. 
um, and equipment because I needed to get it out of my current space. So I left that space back in August um, because I was planning on opening uh, Labor Day weekend, but things kind of got delayed with construction and inventory getting shipped. Um, So that space is back with Greenlight Real Estate, and I'm so lucky they let me use that space to store my stuff. Uh, Sarah, that you 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 sell goods. Uh, you don't sell software. There's you have, you have yeah. a lo- you have a lot of stuff that comes in boxes. That's got to be unboxed. It's got to be uh, put up on shelves. That, there's a lot of physical labor that goes into what you do to get that store back up and running. Can you tell us about that physical labor? Yeah. Um... I feel like I've just moved, kind of like when you move your house, you take all of your things with you. And I feel like I had to move everything from the basement up to the first floor before the flood. Right. And then once it got flooded, we had to move everything out of the store onto the sidewalks. And then we had to pack up everything and move it to one warehouse location in Montpelier. And then we had to move it from Montpelier to Northfield and then Northfield back to Montpelier. And then we ran out of space, so we rented a another office space above my store. So we had to move everything up a flight of floors. It's just, I, I don't think exhausting really captures how tired business owners are. Yeah. <laughs> All of the lugging, not just physical, but then the amount of things we've had to become experts in from filling out grant applications to unemployment to knowing where um, electrical boxes need to go to heating systems there's so many things we've had to learn on the fly in the last three months. It just adds an element of, I don't know, mind tired. Our brains are tired along with our bodies. Yeah. Uh, and I notice I'm on your website right now. Let's do some promotion. Online okay. shop opening October 4th. That is today. Thank you for your patience as we finish up the final touches. Is the online store open? It should be by the end of the day today. Um, another element of moving things back and forth is whenever we get things packed up, we have to shut down our online store because it's really hard to find products to fulfill orders. Right. So every time we move, it's a hit to any kind of income stream that we can have. Uh, I've noticed also that... You have a thing called style sessions, um, and yes. boy, do I need that. Can you tell us about that? They're probably my most favorite thing to do in my store. Um, I think some people feel a little intimidated by a style session, but it's probably the easiest way and most thoughtful way to shop or to kind of refresh your wardrobe. And there's so many reasons why people would want to refresh their wardrobe, whether it's like a new job or your body shape has changed, or maybe you just had a baby and you're in the postpartum phase, or you're just trying to kind of revamp your style. Style sessions is a very focused one and a half hour session where you fill out an eight question questionnaire and I have everything chosen for you. We just spend time thoughtfully choosing items that fit with what you already have. It's not like a full closet makeover. It's just a thoughtful time and space to um, think about what you need in your closet. Oh, fantastic. Uh, tell us about the store itself physically. 
uh, new floor, new walls, new sheetrock, new shelving. What what went into all that uh, recovery? Yeah, all of the above. We were lucky enough to salvage about 60% of our hardwood floors, um, which I feel really lucky about because the hardwood floors such, tell such a story in our space. Um, so they packed where we needed to rip up the floor, then they re-sanded everything and then finished it all. Um, new walls, new paint job, all of our cabinetry is new. I had to, I didn't have to, but I covered the stairs to the basement because we won't access the basement anymore. And then I used that extra like floor space now that I don't have the stairs to work with to build a small little corner office. So I gave myself a promotion in the last in the last three months. I have a corner office with a window now. Wow. So my old office space can be storage. Nice. Yeah. That's that you're moving up in the world. <laughs> I'm moving up in the world. Yeah. Uh yeah. Sarah, we had Julia Watson from Capital Grounds on the show last week. Oh, great. And, uh, she's, you know, she's, as you know, she's working hard to get that place up and running maybe mid-October. She did, she was pretty critical of city government. And I know, uh, for what she says was, is a lack of warning during the flood and lack of help along the way. I know you've been really involved with the, 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 the sessions, the, the community sessions that have been going on. Um, and in terms of how, how we can make Montpelier more resilient and resilient and harden it, uh, in time for the next flood, should it happen? What's the status of those sessions? Where are we as a community and sort of how we go forward? Gosh, there's so many layers to that. I actually just left this morning from a Montpelier Business Meeting Association, so where business owners in downtown Montpelier get together, and we're talking about what events we want for the fourth quarter. And I just think a resounding feeling in the room was just, I can't say it enough, just pure exhaustion, frustration. People feel disheartened, even when businesses like mine have reopened. There's so much anxiety that comes along with opening your doors and just hoping that there'll be enough sales in the next three months to get us through January, February, and March. I think we are all just very nervous about what's to come in the middle of winter. Um, Yeah. It doesn't have to do with the city, but I just, that's been, that was like a resounding feeling in the business meeting this morning. As for the um, few citywide meetings, one that happened up at the, Vermont College of Fine Arts, and then one at the State House. Right. Um, I spoke at the State House, and one one thing I just want to like put out to our city, which is, we are going to need to embrace change when it comes to making any kind of progress to prevent this in the future. And in the past, it's been really hard for this city to embrace change and to make those impactful. Um, big moves that you need in order to push yourself into the future and be viable in the future. One of the examples I talked about in at the state house was a few years ago, the city tried to put up a parking garage and whether you were for the parking garage or not, the entire town voted on this parking garage, the business community got behind it and it went through the community passed this parking garage to 
like be created in our town. Yeah. And the voice of few people, 15 or under, put it through the court system for years that the project had to go, had to fold. And now the city's paying these lawyer fees. It just blows my mind that whenever we try to make forward movement in our community, there's a, a small handful of people that stop change, especially when everybody votes on it for it to go through. So I think in the future, we need to, when professionals say what needs to happen, we need to listen to them and be okay with making that change. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, we spent the first hour of this show talking about artificial intelligence. You talk about, uh-huh. you talk about the need to deal with change and, yeah. and, and manage change. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's facing us right square in our, in our face. Um, well, Sarah DeFelice, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Everybody, you can go to baileyroadvt.com. Their online store is going to be open. Better yet, go down to Montpelier and check out. You get the whole block is now open. You can start at Bohemian Bakery and get a coffee, and then you can go to Bear Pond and get a book, and then you can go to Sarah's and buy clothes and home goods like my favorite, the Lithuanian hand towels, uh, <laughs> which is my favorite uh, piece of for my kitchen. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Kevin. Bye. Congratulations. Good to talk to you. Okay. Congratulations to Sarah. She's open. Go down there. Get ready for Christmas. We're back. And guess who's back on the line? Marsha from Barry is joining us because she gets the prize, uh, gold star for today for raising the most important issue. Marsha, welcome back. Good morning. Good morning again. Let's uh, take us uh, through what you just raised before we had to take a break. Well, the Speaker of the House is next in line to the presidency after the vice president. And, and, and that's pretty scary when there's nobody in, in, in line. Right. Yeah, that, that's, and, that's and right. The other, and the other point that I made was that this might be an ulterior motive of those people who are soliciting Trump to be the, to be the Speaker like he isn't otherwise occupied. Okay, so let me see if I have this straight. You mean there's no speaker, so... Well, I mean, there's an acting speaker right now, Pat, Pat, Pat. Yeah, Patrick McHenry. McHenry. Yeah, Patrick McHenry, right. Yeah. Did you see him bang the gavel uh, on, on TV? It's pretty loud. No. He ba- he, after they dethroned McCarthy, uh, he was presiding and he banged the gavel. Really, the hardest I've ever seen a gavel bang. He was He was angry. So... Okay, so I can see this. So Republicans give Trump a call and say, hey, why don't you be speaker? Because then he's third in line, uh, well, second in line to the presidency, and we can try to impeach Joe Biden. Uh, but they're going to have to deal with Kamala Harris at some point. But are, are you saying that if Trump wins the presidency, he could be speaker and president? I don't know, Kevin. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't think so. I'm sure that there that there would be some 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 sort of a mutiny prior to next next November to oust Trump. Right. And uh, and you know talk 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 about people not wanting to work with each other. 
I can I cannot imagine the people who were sitting in the corner with their arms over their chest, not wanting to do anything, like a playground. Oh, Marcia, uh, you've you've seen a lot of politics in your day. Have you ever seen anything like this? No. Yeah. I haven't, and I have been a student of politics since I was twelve. So and I'm seventy-five now. Well, take us back to say when you were. Take us back to the seventies or the eighties uh, or the sixties, even. So you were, you know, you watched Lyndon Johnson in in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like then? Compared- I too. I mean, I I mean, I watched. Um, um, there was Speaker McCormick, and um, wow. Then there was um, oh. Uh, Chip O'Neill for a long, 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 long time. Right. My father sold a corned beef to every St. Patty's Day. And, um, yes, I saw Lyndon at work and, and heard him, you know, when they used to play the tapes back when he was on the telephone. Right. And he knows, he knows how to wrang, wrangle all the members. But, you also, it isn't just the leader. You have to have a membership and 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 people who are willing to accept the leader and respect the leader and want to work together. And there's got to be that sense. Then it, it, it isn't just a slavish re, relationship like like it is now. Yeah, that's right. Boy, you mentioned Tip O'Neill. Your father sold him. Uh, say that again. My father, every same, every same patty, patties. They didn't sell him. Brought him a corned beef, cause he, cause his, cause his meat and pro, pro, his meat and provision store, regional beef, was in his district. Was this so? I would point out, being a student of JFK myself, uh, Tip O'Neill. Uh, Represented the same district that John F. Kennedy represented in Congress. So was this in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Marcia? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So you you saw Tip O'Neill at work. Uh, mm-hmm. You're you're right. So what we've got here is uh, a band of twenty or so Republicans who, I mean, they must have existed back then, but boy, they seem to have a lot of power these days. The, yeah, who, who, yeah, I'm uh, talking about the far right MAGA Republicans in the House that that don't seem to want to govern. That they just wanted to take down Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, when this started, yeah. yes, they did. This yeah. was because they came in as anarchists, which makes no sense. It makes no sense unless you want to rot the ship from the inside with anarchy, which sounds, unfortunately, I hate to say it because everybody drags in this simile when it's true or not, but it is because I watched a whole series on it. This sounds very much like what happened in the rising days of Hitler. Right. Where there was, where there were people who came in as, as regular members of a government with the intention 
of blowing up the, the government, and they rotted it from the inside. And the uh, results were are there for all of us to see. Yeah. So, I mean, this is if you're coming in with the intention of not working, not gov- gov- governing, what else are you there for? Yeah. Except for your own power and getting the insurance and the paycheck. Uh, I'm going to put on my I'll put on my Republican hat and respond to you by saying they would say that government is off the rails. It's bloated. It's too big. It's wasteful. And it's not listening to the concerns of their constituents and it needs to be cut. Right? Well, it's a very, it's, it's, that's the Kool-Aid. That's the Kool-Aid. <laughs> that's, that's the Kool-Aid. That's the form, formula. The constituency that they serve is very, very small. It has an enormous amount of power in this country. It reaches to the Supreme Court. And it reaches in all sorts of secretive ways. There was this group I heard about just on 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 Monday night called V V called V Dare. Huh. V. I think it's the letter V D A R E, which is one of these groups that's. Uh, White sub, sub, sub supremacist group working to in, infiltrate uh, gullible folks in the government for the uh, for um, against the aid uh, the anti death 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 anti defamation league very anti sub sub anti semitic anti semitic this is part part of that line. That has been running through the country for decades and centuries. Well, we're and we're gonna we're, we're gonna keep talking. New iteration. Well, we're gonna keep talking about it on this show, and are, are, we're grateful to you for bringing it up, uh, Marsha from Barry, always our favorite guest. Uh, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kevin. Glad to help. Okay, that's our show for Bye. today. Thanks to our guest, Tom Evslin, Sarah D. Felice, and our favorite caller, Marsha. If you want to be a guest on the show, send us a suggestion for a topic. Just drop me an email, vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Be sure to listen to the podcast if you missed missed any of this at wdevradio.com. I'm here Wednesdays and Fridays. You can also find me at kevinkellis.com where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter, Conflict of Interest. I'm on Twitter and Instagram if you want to follow me. My podcast, also called Conflict of Interest, examines some of the issues we deal with on this show. As always, we'll talk politics, media, and culture, and everything else on my mind and yours. Our show is produced by me, engineered and made possible today by Greg Titus, through the window, with Danny McGivergan over his shoulder, making sure that uh, everything goes smoothly. And... Thanks to all the folks at WDEV who make all of this possible. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kevin Ellis, and we'll see you right back here Friday on Vermont Viewpoint. I think we're going to be talking nuclear weapons and all sorts of other cheery subjects. This is live radio on the friendly pioneer WDEV.